0: learn who rules over you simply find out that you are not allowed to criticize you are listening to ACH I'm Andy your host today is Thursday so I'm delighted to welcome back my good friend Dr. Peter Hammond let's bring him up right now Peter are you with us I am Andrew Excellent. Great to have you on, as always. And, folks, we have another topical show for you today. You can't get much more topical than this based upon recent events. The title is The Real Story of How False Flags Escalate into Wars. So where would you like to start us off today, Peter?
1: Yes, Andrew. Well, I must say, what an incredible event we've been seeing there with this latest sabotage on the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines, and uh, this uh, economic terror, uh, pipeline terror, uh, ecological disaster, and bearing in mind that we have we have administrations right now who are talking endlessly about the importance of green energy and speaking against carbon emissions and uh, the fact that you've got to euthanize half the cattle of the Netherlands, because they're seriously concerned about methane gas. And there's all kinds of uh, apparent concerns, they, they pretend. Uh, this is from the people who jet around the world to climate change conferences and their private jets. And who knows what their carbon footprint is. But nevertheless, the biological disaster, the the ecological disaster, the environmental catastrophe caused by, we, we are talking about, billions of cubic meters of uh, gas that's been released into the Baltic Sea. The, who knows how many deaths this is causing amongst marine animals and uh, vast amounts of fish and sea life and what the long-term implications of this kind of unprecedented pollution caused by uh, human sabotage by by obviously a military operation. And uh, this, this is catastrophic. We're talking about uh, first two, and now we know four. There are four leaks. Uh, there were explosions, and a Swedish seismologists estimate that the power of the explosions reached the equivalent of about 700 kilograms of TNT. And this is pretty s- serious uh, type of target because these pipes of the Nord Stream pipelines, Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2, both of them have been sabotaged, uh, they... Are built with strong steel reinforced concrete, which are so thick and so strong that uh, no natural disaster could damage it. In fact, they are built to withstand impact from even the biggest anchors, even an anchor of an aircraft carrier that that uh, might uh, accidentally come there. It would not be able to to damage it. These are basically indestructible without serious explosive charges. Uh, directly uh, uh, on uh, these could uh, possibly uh, cause such uh, damage to these pipes. You know, very thick steel, reinforced concrete. Uh, how on earth could this happen? Well, bearing in mind, these are all at something from 80, 90 to 100, to 120 meters deep. That's very deep. The average scuba diver is operating within range of 20 feet and uh, uh, even at, uh, I've done scuba diving, you know, going down to 20 meters is very uh, intense for your um, average uh, basic trained scuba diver. And uh, to operate a depth of 100 meters under sea level, over 300 feet, you might be needing um, these uh, specially equipped vehicles that can operate under under the ocean. Because bear in mind, it's an enormous amount of pressure. Uh, and uh, scuba divers, it's not the going down that's a problem, it's the coming up again afterwards. So uh, who has the technical ability to carry out uh, sabotage at those kinds of depths? Who has the equipment, the technical ability, the trained personnel? Because this is not something that some farmer can try to do. This isn't something that the average scuba diver could do. This is extremely sophisticated sabotage, and there's a very short list of countries with the, capability of carrying out such an operation. So it's been uh, determined uh, by uh, Danish authorities, the Swedish authorities, uh, this was definitely an explosion, Mm -hmm. this was sabotage. And it's been admitted so uh, across the world uh, from the Russians, the Germans, the Poles, the British, um, everyone's uh, admitting uh, NATO and so on. It was obviously sabotage. There's no natural, any event that could explain for these unprecedented four um, leaks. Uh, in the Nord Stream pipeline, which is uh, destroying billions of dollars worth of, or should we say billions of rubles or euros, worth of gas and equipment. Well, immediately the narrative throughout the uh, Western media, we're talking about the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, the Clinton News Network, uh, Slime Magazine, Useless News and World Report, and so on, the lamestream mainstream media, have all said, well, obviously Russia's done. This is Putin. Putin is resorting to eco-terrorism and pollution, and uh, he's blown up the pipeline. And that might make sense for a few seconds until you start to think about it for a moment. And the first thing is, why would Russia do that? What could their motive possibly be? It's their pipeline. It's their assets. In fact, Nord Stream provides more money for the Russian Federation every year than the entire military budget of the Russian Federation. So uh, why would they destroy their own assets and their own source of income? Now, we do know that Russia has been using Nord Stream uh, 1 and 2 as um, leverage in order to put pressure on the EU to not be supporting Ukraine in their war against Russia and the secessionist provinces in the East, where Russians are the majority uh, of the population. So uh, why would he have to blow up his own pipeline. He controlled the pipelines. He could just turn off the valves and turn the taps off, which he had done, in fact, in order to put pressure on the West and drive prices up and so on. So the idea that he had to blow up his pipeline to drive prices up, well, the cost of laying this pipeline was in the billions. This is massive, massive infrastructure, uh, colossal infrastructure, expensive infrastructure, and of course, very valuable source of income for Russia. And Russia's been getting a huge amount. It's it's a massive uh, percentage. Something like, I think oil and gas and uh, um, coal and so on make up something like 40% of the um, income of the Russian Federation any given year. So to get rid of his own infrastructure, to sabotage their infrastructure, to waste a whole lot of, of their valuable export and uh, natural gas and uh, to remove their strategic leverage over the european union and therefore by extension nato it doesn't make sense that this would actually help russia so the russian government wants to sell oil and natural gas to the eu and the eu wanted to buy it from them but under pressure from america were uh, withholding and they we know that europe is heading into a serious very cold and um And a dark winter uh, because a huge amount of of Europe is dependent on a vast amount of gas provided by Russia. So, who has the most to gain? Who benefits? And who's responsible for this? Well, many have been harking back to the uh, messages that Joe Biden gave earlier this year. And uh, we might add this. um, a uh, woman, Newland, from the State Department, who was very heavily involved in the Ukrainian coup in 2014 that, that brought the present administration to power, and uh, which severed Ukraine from the Russian sphere of influence. So, um, who stands to benefit? Well, back in February, uh, Joe Biden and uh, Newland uh, made statements on TV, which have been played quite a few times uh, since. Saying that if Russia invades Ukraine, uh, that'll be the end of Nordstrom, too. And uh, people said, "Well, how exactly will you bring it about?" And Joe Biden smiled and said, "Don't worry, we will, we'll get it done. Uh, we 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 have the means to do that." And uh, so when we suddenly have this incredible picture of this gas bubbling to the surface of the Baltic Sea in this uh, hideous, um ecological disaster, one of the worst pollution uh, uh, crimes committed in our lifetime. And this is this is not some natural disaster. This isn't even an oil tanker uh, crashing like the Exxon Valdez on, on the Pacific coast. This is something which is man-made. And so immediately one's got to think, is this a false flag? Who stands to gain? Do you know that... Within a day of the blowing up of the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines, a new Baltic pipeline uh, was opened up bringing um, natural gas from the Baltic pipeline, carrying natural gas from Norway to Poland via Denmark, with 10 billion cubic meters um, able to be flowing uh, through this. Now, this this is quite extraordinary. And also, the White House was immediately giving sort of Uh, smiling, saying, you know, um, uh, this is too bad, but this is an opportunity. And uh, well, indeed, it is an opportunity. So just uh, looking at a whole lot of interesting things, the former Polish defense minister and the current member of the European Parliament, Radek Sikorski, tweeted immediately after the Nord Stream pipeline was uh, sabotaged, thank you, USA. So that's interesting. There's a lot of people who are assuming that this was done by the United States of America or a variation by the Polish Navy and Special Forces with the assistance of the United States. And um, there's a whole lot of interesting facts uh, that come in here. Uh, First of all, uh, to understand that Russia wanted Nord Stream 1 and 2 as economic leverage on Europe, on the EU, and also uh, as a means of income, which is paying for their war, amongst other things. So, Moscow has lost big time. They've lost their strategic leverage of the EU. They've lost one of their biggest um, natural exporting uh, means and infrastructure. So, Russia's the main loser in this um, pipeline being blown up. Who's benefiting? Well, um, the companies involved in the Norwegian uh, enterprise of providing natural gas uh, through Denmark to Poland in particular, and Poland may be... Benefiting as well, there's a lot of suspicion uh, that that the U.S. and Polish Navy could have cooperated in that, but I mean that that's speculation right now. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the German uh, BND, the German intelligence, is uh, complaining about this that they were not kept in on the loop on what was going on. This does look like it's an anti-German operation because Germany benefited the most from the oil. Uh, natural gas pipeline coming in from Nord Stream 1 and 2. They were benefiting tremendously. Um, something like 40% of all their energy needs were coming from there. So uh, Germany is one who has suffered. Russia has definitely suffered as an exporter. Uh, but who's benefiting? Well, the people who own this Norwegian pipeline and the Americans who've been trying to get Europe more dependent on them and less dependent on on Russia. So this is something like a declaration of war against Germany and against businesses and citizens of the European Union. And it has much weakened Russia's leverage over the uh, people of Europe, of EU and NATO. And, uh, uh, of course, people like Ursula uh, von der Leyen, the um, uh, head of the European uh, Commission, Uh, she's, of course, um, quite thrilled about any opportunity that can Uh, advance the war, strengthen NATO's position, and uh, not have people wandering off and buying um, any energy from Russia or strengthening them. Now, interestingly, the Polish people seem to be the most uh, involved in wanting uh, to have war with Russia. And uh, Poland has had a far more aggressive approach. And a lot of people in Europe don't want that to take place. And there's massive protests going on, for example, in the Czech Republic, Uh, With tens of thousands of people on the streets protesting against any more sanctions, any more involvement in the war, any more sending in uh, military aid to Ukraine. And it's seen as a no-win war. Why are we going to do this? But look at the timing. The Baltic pipeline uh, opens up the day after the blowing up of the Russian Nord Stream 2. Extremely suspicious. Uh, Very, very strange. It has been documented that American helicopters were overflying the sabotage areas just a few days before. And the United Kingdom research vessel was loitering in the Danish waters since mid-September, interestingly enough. And uh, uh, NATO tweeted about testing of new unmanned systems at sea on the same day of the sabotage. De Spiegel published a startling report headlined, CIA warned German government against attacks on Baltic Sea pipelines. That could be a clever ploy for plausible deniability. Oh, well, you know, we did warn him that something like this might happen. And uh, uh, the Russian foreign ministry gave a pretty sharp response saying this incident took place in an area controlled by American intelligence. And that's true. It's uh, just beyond the the waters of Denmark and uh, Sweden. It's in international waters, but uh, firmly in the Western NATO controlled hemisphere. And uh, after all, why would Russia need to blow up their own pipeline so far from their own area, when all they had to do was turn off the taps, which they have done a few times this this year right now? Anyway, and then you have Joe Biden uh, claiming uh, that um, we will uh, not allow Nordstrom to work and uh, that, in fact, Nordstrom would be finished. Uh, And he emphasized that if the Russians invaded, uh, invaded Ukraine. So the... Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov gave a bit of a dose of reality. The damage to the pipelines posed a huge problem for Russia because they were losing the gas supply routes to Europe and both of the Nord Stream lines had been full of gas and were prepared to deliver to Europe because at the very moment that it blew up, Germany and Russia were in negotiations on how to reopen Nord Stream 2 for Germany. And so it would seem, bear in mind, that the gas is very expensive and they had just lost a vast amount of, of export uh, energy. And neither Russia nor Europe actually has anything to gain from the sabotage. And Germany, of course, stands to lose the most and Russia as well. And so uh, this pipeline terrorism seems to be part of a what's been called the Straussian um, uh strategy. Leo Strauss and the Conservative Movement in America, Critical Appraisal, was published by Cambridge in 2011 and uh, by Paul Gottfried. And Leo Strauss is a German-Jewish philosopher who taught at the University of Chicago, and he's at the root of what became the Wolfrid's Doctrine, written in 1992 as a defense planning uh, guidance, which defined America's mission in the post-Cold War era, that the Wolfrid's Doctrine goes straight to point, any potential competitor to American hegemony, especially advanced industrial nations, such as Germany and Japan, very specific, must be smashed. Europe should never achieve sovereignty or exile sovereignty. And so the United States must be careful to prevent the emergence of a purely European security system, which would undermine NATO, which bear in mind is not just Western Europe, but it's North America too, Canada and the USA. And so... Uh, A key thing is to make sure Europe doesn't become self-sufficient, but it's always needing North American support. And so, especially the integrated military command structure, I'm all quoting. So, if you come to the Ukraine Democracy Defense Lend-Lease Act, that was adopted just five months ago, Kiev gets a free lunch. If people think that they are getting all these weapons and money uh, directly from America, that's not so. All these expensive weapon systems from America are being leased to the EU to be sent to Ukraine. So the fact is, while America is is not actually giving these things to Ukraine, they're lending them to Europe, and Europe, or the EU and NATO, must repay America. So basically, the EU and NATO are paying the bills for this massive transfer of weaponry and funds to uh, Ukraine. And... uh, This is why in many ways what we've just seen with the sabotage is actually it's a war against Europe, not just against Russia, but all of Europe, and it's an economic war as well as a military war. So the United States Secretary of State Blinken and Victoria Newland hold to the Straussian philosophy, and they are taking advantage of this void in the White House where you've got this chap who reads the teleprompter every now and then, but he's not the decision maker. And there's about three different silos of power in a fractured Washington they're pointing to. And for the Straussians, the tight uh, bipartisan op, which includes the war hawks and the Republicans and, of course, the Democrats, who always love overseas wars, and it really does bolster the military-industrial complex and the people behind that sort of thing. So the goal here is to destroy Germany. And Germany was developing a working relationship with Russia, which, of course, has been... Um, seriously undermined now by the pipeline terror because Russia was providing most of Germany's energy. And so here there has been a campaign by these so-called Straussians to make sure they undermine Germany and Japan if necessary and to avoid Europe ever becoming uh, uh, self-sufficient and able to manage energy or any, any other way without the aid of North America to keep them dependent. And so there are people within the beltway in in America, we're talking about Washington DC, they often speak of inside the beltway, speaking about the beltway of of highways around Washington DC, that the CIA does not agree with this particular strategy. Interestingly, uh, the Langley CIA agenda is to force the Straussians to back off on Russia and uh, let Russia reincorporate Nova Russia uh, or Donbass regions where Russians are the majority anyway, and allow Poland and Hungary to gobble up whatever they want in Western Ukraine before letting the entire Ukraine government fall into a black void because they don't see that Ukraine's worth holding together. It consists of too many minority groups, which are majorities in certain sections, and that the boundaries don't make sense and let Ukraine have secessionist movements and not worth us fighting. Well, that's a CIA view, but that's not the military view, and that's not the view of the um, uh, NIS or of um, the other Straussian elements in the US government. So that's a theory. So right now, uh, what the general information is that's coming out is that this is a false flag operation carried out by the US government, although there are dissidents within American Um, deep state who don't think this is a wise strategy and that this is going to lead to a tremendous winter of discontent and that it could have uh, all kinds of blowback, unintended consequences. But basically speaking, what we are seeing here is Europe is being set up for a fall, a major, major, major fall. What we've just seen with this eco-terrorism from the hypocrites who tell us that uh, we mustn't drive SUVs, or we can only have electric cars and so on because of concern for the planet and and uh, gas emissions and so on. They've just committed one of the worst eco-terrorism acts and pollutions uh, imaginable right in the Baltic Sea. And the and, uh, uh, negative effects of this are going to be felt for a very long time to come. But what we're seeing is a war against Russia and Germany and Eurasian, Europe and Asian powers right now. And we can't imagine Russia taking this lying down and they are very well equipped with nuclear weapons. They might even be the best equipped country with nuclear weapons in the world right now, certainly with tactical nukes. So when we look at this false flag and we can see false flags escalating to wars, it should just remind us that back in 1964, National Security Agency of America organized the Gulf of Tonkin incident, manipulating the data to make it look like North Vietnamese. Patrol boats had fired on U.S. battleships, which would be awfully foolish. <laughs> so, sort of like mice attacking elephants. I mean, why would you have uh, little patrol boats attacking massive battleships? But anyway, that was the justification for American involvement in the Vietnam War. And uh, we all know that on the 8th of June 1967, unmarked Israeli fighter jets and unmarked torpedo boats attacked the USS Liberty off the coast of Egypt with cannon fire, napalm, rockets, torpedoes, and they started by jamming the ship's emergency distress signals. They targeted the communications of the ship. They prevented the Americans for, radio, for help. They uh, attempted to uh, destroy all uh, chance of people surviving by destroying the life rafts as well. So there's systematically to try and, and uh, destroy everybody on board the Liberty. And this was meant to be a false flag operation to get America to declare war in Egypt because they were trying to blame Egypt for this. But 34 crewmen were killed, 174 wounded, and uh, it was quite clear that um, uh, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Thomas Moore, uh, he, a year after investigating the incident, concluded that America um, was involved in this attempted sinking of the USS liberty. Uh, that both the American government and Israeli government were working to attempt to blame Egypt for the attack, to persuade America to join in on their attack on Egypt. And uh, Lyndon Johnson um, actually dispatched nuclear-armed fighter jets to drop nuclear bombs on Cairo, Egypt, and only recalled when it was exposed that it was the Israelis, not the Egyptians who had fired on the USS Liberty. I mean, that's just one example of a false flag. In that case, it went bad. A Turkish general admitted that Turkish forces burned down a mosque on the island of Cyprus, and now we're talking about the 1970s, in order to blame it on the Greek Christian enemy. And he explained, in special ways, certain acts of sabotage were staged and blamed on the enemy to increase public resistance. We did this in Cyprus. We even burned down the mosques. Uh, so uh, you can see there's been all sorts of uh, attempts at false flags. Uh, for example, in 1984, a Mossad agent admitted that in 1984 Israeli agents planted a radio transmitter in Gaddafi's compound in Tripoli, in Libya, which broadcast fake terrorist transmissions in order to frame Gaddafi as a supporter of the anti-American terrorism, which they had sponsored themselves, and to convince American President Ronald Reagan to bomb Libya. Uh, there's been all sorts of other examples. Egyptian uh, take the Algerian diplomats and several officers of the Algerian army who admitted that in the 1990s the Algerian army frequently massacred Algerian civilians to blame it on opponents of the state. And an Indonesian fact-finding team investigating the violent riots which occurred in 1998 determined that elements of their own military were involved in instigating the riots, some of which were deliberately provoked in order to justify new legislation, new powers for themselves. There's been many deception operations. And uh, you can take, for example, when British Prime Minister Harold Macmillan admitted that both he and American President Dwight Eisenhower in 1957 approved a CIA MI6 plan to carry out attacks in Syria, blaming it on the Syrian government to effect regime change. And the former Italian prime minister, Italian judge, and former head of Italian counterintelligence admitted NATO, with the help of the Pentagon and the CIA, carried out terror bombings in Italy and other European countries in the 1950s in order to rally their people's support for their governments in, in Europe. We attacked civilians, people, women, children, innocent people, unknown people, far removed from any political gain. The reason was quite simple. They were supposed to force these people, the Italian public, to turn to the state and ask for greater security. And so NATO and the CIA organized terror attacks in Italy, France, Belgium, Denmark, Germany, Greece, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, United Kingdom, and other countries in the 1950s, specifically, I think they called it um, Operation Gladiator. And these are just some of the false flags that have happened over the years. And the CIA admitted in the 1950s to hiring Iranians to pose as communists and stage bombings in Iran to turn the country against the elected prime minister. So there are False flag operations. I mean, <laughs> we can talk about everything from the Great Fire of Rome uh, under Nero to the Manchurian incident in 1931 where the Japanese uh, organized terrorism of on one of their own trains in Manchuria. And uh, um, I think this would have been just coming out of Manchuria into Korea, and they call it the Manchurian incident to justify the war with China. And there's a lot we could say about Pearl Harbor, as well, and the prior knowledge, but that's a big uh, event as well. Uh, there's, the British government admitted that, that between 1946 and 48, they set up a fake group called the Defenders of Palestine, who falsely claimed responsibility for bombings, where the British bombed five ships transporting Jews from Europe to Palestine, and uh, they set up the opposition to blame, even though they were doing it themselves. Uh, for their own purposes in order to justify more support for Israel and for uh, the uh, Jewish taking over of Palestine and displacing the, the, the Palestinians there at that time. So there's, there's a lot. Um, Nikita Khrushchev admitted that the Soviet Union's Red Army shelled the Russian village of Mananila in 1939 to blame the attack on Finland as a pretext for launching their winter war against Finland. and. Boris Yeltsin, later Russian president, confirmed Russia had been aggressive in the Winter War and the shelling of Main illa was a false flag operation. We could go to the Oklahoma bombing uh, uh, of 1995, um, uh, the creating chaos in 2014 Ukraine. Ukrainian officials admitted that Ukrainian snipers were hired to fire on both sides to create maximum chaos to lead to the uh, Ukrainian coup of uh, uh, 2014, which brought this present administration to power. So there are all kinds of false flag operations. And uh, it's been proven now, for example, the Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch published an exposé revealing the Turkish government carried out the chemical weapons attacks blamed on the Syrian government of Assad. And although the, although Turkey is a member of NATO, Turkey provided the sarin chemical weapons And the U.S. President Barack Hussein Obama actually uh, attempted to use this as the pretext for launching Americans on a full-scale war against Syria. And high-level U.S. intelligence officials since confirmed it was the American and Turkish-backed rebels, not the Syrian government, who carried out the chemical weapons attacks. But most of the world's population would not know about the refutations. They just remember the headlines that blamed the Syrian government for these Um, chemical weapon attacks, which were later found out to be false flag operations. So we could even talk about 9-11. There's a whole lot of people who have spoken of that. But just take David Steele, a former US Marine and CIA agent. He said most terrorists are false flag terrorists or created by our own security forces. In the United States, every single terrorist incident we have had has been a false flag or it has been an informant pushed on by the FBI. In fact, we now have citizens taking out restraining orders against FBI informants that are trying to incite terrorism. We've become a lunatic asylum." The British Foreign Secretary, Robin Cook declared, the truth is there, uh, he said, we, we know that Al-Qaeda and uh, ISIS and so on, any informed intelligence officer knows that these are propaganda campaigns made to believe, get the public to believe in the presence of an intensified entity representing the devil, only in order to drive TV watchers to accept a unified international leadership for a war against terrorism, but the country behind this propaganda is the United States. Terrorism has replaced communism as the rationale for the militarization of America, for military adventures abroad, for the suppression of civil liberties at home. It serves the purpose of creating hysteria. And there are many other exposés on how we can see global criminal enterprises, globalist who want a new world order, a one world government, who are organizing false flags in order to stampede people into a prearranged solution, which is going to take away more civil liberties and result in greater instability and more opportunity for great reset for a one world government, one world economic system, one world interfaith religion. So, yes, there's no doubt about it. We are seeing there are false flags which are there to manipulate minds of the people and in order to lead into war. And unfortunately, this is the thing. There is a deceiving into war and terrorism prepares the way. The easiest way to gain control of a country is to carry out acts of terror. The public will clamor for such laws if their personal safety is threatened. And who said that? Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin himself said the easiest way to gain more control of the country is to perpetrate false flag terrorist attacks on your own people so they plead to you for protection and support. And... uh, It just seems incredible, though, that we've got such hypocrisy that the people who talk about peace are inciting war, that the people who claim to be concerned about the environment are creating some of the worst environmental terrorism and pollution and crisis imaginable. So this is where we are. We are needing to understand the real story of how false flags escalate into wars. And here we are possibly on the brink of a Third World War, I pray by God's grace that it does not happen. But there is no doubt there are people hellbent, literally hellbent, on driving Europe into war. And I would say that this Nord Stream sabotage is plainly a false flag terror operation. It's a it's a severe blow against the economy of Russia and the economy of Germany, and it's designed to set up Europe to fall, to fail to head into a winter of discontent such as Europe has probably never seen before, probably not since 1945. So in our lifetimes, this could be one of the worst things coming. It's a perfect storm that's been created by the wars, uh, the Great Reset, the economic suicides, uh, the war against farmers, the war against food, the war against our individual liberties, and now uh, energy. Because without cheap, reliable energy, civilization and industry is basically impossible. And so we, we need to be... Uh, very aware of what's going on here, the people behind it and what their agenda is. Back to Andrew.
0: Thank you, Peter. Yes, um, what was, did you get the chance to listen to Vladimir Putin's speech where he literally came out and um, he talked about the LGBTQ agenda in the West and how ridiculous it was and they wouldn't accept that being done to their people and there's no respect for, you know, any... Uh, countries throughout the world that will not go along with this so-called liberal agenda of the west and he also went as far as to call uh, people running these countries satanists did you catch any of that at all
1: i got a good part of his speech but not all of it and um uh, yes some of that i i heard directly uh from his presentation the translation of it pretty impressive
0: Yes, I I felt the same way. It's it's interesting because it's very. I mean, we we've covered, for example, the nine-part series we did on M. S. King's book, uh, the the Bad War, about Hitler, and then you could look at things like uh, Adolf Hitler: The Greatest Story Never Told. Uh, but then there'll be other people out there who will also point out areas where. Oh, well Hitler did work with the bankers and Hitler did um, essentially have, a, have an involvement in the creation of, of Israel with uh, there's even a book I referred to actually a couple of weeks ago that you can get called Adolf Hitler father of Israel because of course his deal with the Zionists was uh, to send Jews over to, to Palestine to kind of give them population because I believe that country, uh, when you look back historically, it was uh, kind of the brainchild of the Rothschild family. Uh, I've even got a quote somewhere, I think it was Edmund de Rothschild, who was most involved in something like, I created the yish of I alone, and I will decide you know, whatever. I, I forget the exact quote, I can remember that part of it. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, uh, and you can get yourself a country, you don't have a country unless you have a population because you need yes. people to obviously you know, work in the country and run the country and give you a military and all these sorts of things. Um, so I'm not trying to say that Adolf Hitler was part of some conspiracy, but I find myself in a difficult position these days because uh, let, let's, obviously some things that he did, you can argue, did benefit uh, the formation of Israel uh, you know, in the present day, And then you'll have other people, you know, talking about the Holocaust and how this was dreadful. And, you know, that's something that we don't need to go into Uh, views on that, because, of course, there were very difficult to express views on that in Europe. But when you look at a Putin situation, now people are saying that the things he says, and I want to be able to listen to what he says and be encouraged by it. But there are other people that are saying, well, obviously, the strategy is to, Uh, They've talked about starving uh, the West and all the energy prices and all these different things. We heard about dark winter for quite a period of time. And there are elements that he's doing, and he will argue that he's been forced into this position because of sanctions and what have you. And I certainly don't agree that he blew up his own pipeline. But certain things that he does seems to move forward the World Economic Forum's plan to essentially, I believe target white people and get rid of as many of them as they can what are your thoughts on that
1: yes uh, bear in mind this is a key strategy of the left is to try and provoke you into action so uh, it's it's in fact part of the hegelian dialectic thesis antithesis and then synthesis so that what you do is you have the action then you have the reaction and the result of it is what they were looking for in the first place so you can set a person up for something so for example you can provoke 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 Let's say um, you 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 keep taunting a person, pushing a person, tripping him up, so on. After a while, he loses temper, he turns around, he hits you. And then you say, um, I'm a victim, I've been assaulted, and so on. And so that's an example where you're set up for something where the goal was, and any schoolboy who's been bullied knows how that can work, that uh, you end up after being provoked for weeks and months and you finally react, now you're the one who's in the principal's office and you're in trouble. And that happens also in war. It happens in economics. And uh, the communist past masters is how to set up the situation where you are forced into uh, what is essentially what you think is self-defense and and you either react or overreact. But the fact still is they were were prodding, they were pushing, and people have been spoken about prodding the bear and uh, provoking. So, you know, for example, when they used to have this horrible bear baiting and they'd bring the bears out. And apparently this happened in the Middle Ages, and shocking thing. People could be so callous. But uh, you can't complain if at some point the bear turns around and gives you a whack with his paw, because um, they can only be goaded so much, and everyone's got their limits. So the Marxists and uh, their fellow travellers specialise in how to provoke, provoke, provoke. We saw this in South Africa and Rhodesia frequently as we were fighting for our freedoms, uh, that uh, it didn't matter how much terrorism... And how much provocation are people put under? The media would only report the reaction, except they wouldn't give you the context. So it would look like, oh, these horrible, brutal, white supremacist, racist South Africans or Asians or whatever have done this. And uh, meanwhile, they completely leave off the context and what happened before it. If I can put it this way, if anyone's seen the Dirty Harry movies, if you just showed a clip of, uh, here's this policeman standing on a football field, um, and shooting a man who's already injured in one leg, uh, so, uh, in his other leg, so he falls to the ground and walking over and stepping on his injured leg uh, while he screams in agony. You would say police brutality. But if you knew the context, that uh, this is a kidnapper who has somebody who is uh, uh, going to die of um, lack of oxygen in a couple of hours unless they can find this person, and this policeman's trying to rescue. Uh, the person who's been kidnapped well that puts the whole different look on 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 it when you know that that context and this is the point the media today don't tell you about the provocations they don't focus on the provocations they just uh give the reactions and then they blame the victim isn't that just wonderful they villainize the victims and they victimize the villains back to you andrew
0: yes uh, very well stated uh peter and um It reminded me there's a lady you may have heard of called called Alison Chablot in the UK and she's been to jail on uh, at least a couple of occasions now because she wrote uh, songs which satirised some of the um, rather unbelievable Holocaust survivor accounts. The first one that comes to mind is Irene Zisplat who claimed to have eaten diamonds each day and then passed them out through her, the other end, shall we say, uh, during her imprisonment at one of the concentration camps. Uh, That doesn't sound particularly true story to me, but uh, Alison wrote a song satirising that, and as a result, that was one of the things that she got locked up for doing. But the reason that I mention it isn't in the context of what she uh, was... um, essentially sentenced to prison for having said in a country where we're told we have the democratic right to free speech, it's because before any of this happened and she started writing her songs, she'd been expressing an interest in um, World War Two history, and, particular the those people who question the official narrative of the Holocaust. And as a result because she only came to my attention when she was doing these songs, but I think that she'd been active on places like Twitter and she was getting all sorts of very serious abuse and threats on Twitter that she had to report to the police. And this Mm. is what she told me on a radio show. But it turned out all the reports that she made to the police, she'd phone them up and they'd say things like, and this is what she said to me, oh, um... sergeant's left now so that case isn't going anywhere and it's like well no that's not true okay i've been a police officer and i've had to take on when someone's either left generally they've, they've gone to another station or they've been transferred to a unit or something and if they're a pc like i was then their work that's that's unfinished will get doled out against the rest of the squad or what have you and of course it's never a great deal of fun having to you know, carry on where someone else has left off when they've got their system and you've got yours. But that is how it works. You don't have someone leave and all crimes that have been reported to them, oh, they just go away. And so Hmm. if what Alison was telling me was correct, then it's very clear that there's been corruption at that level in order to not investigate what was done to her, but only investigate what uh, these people claim she did to upset them by singing songs. So I wanted to raise that story because that's exactly what you were talking about, about how you're constantly harassed and harassed. I mean, she was getting uh, catalogues delivered to her door addressed to Mrs. Holocaust you know, <laughs> So these people were just going round and, 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 you know, just doing things like this. It's just disgraceful behaviour, to be quite honest. People should be allowed to have an opinion. Um, and and not be harassed for it she clearly was and that was about the least of it from what i heard was happening to her on twitter that the british police chose not to investigate yet they were quite happy to investigate her for singing a satirical song about a holocaust account that sounds absolutely ridiculous what are your thoughts on the way you touched upon security services most terrorists are actually working for the security services which are employed by you know Governments throughout the world, like my government and your government and the American government and what have you. When it's got to such a stage now that some people get the law working for them and some don't, I just think that that Putin's absolutely right that this country and the West largely is controlled by Satanists. And it's gone right down to, as I say, the one um, rank above a, a police constable was a sergeant. And according to Alison, it was a sergeant that was supposed to have left. And so as a result, her case wasn't being pursued. So if you've got that, just one rank above the most basic police officer you can be, you can't say, well, it's some senior guy at the top that's doing it all. It's gone right Hmm. down to that low level. What sort of state do you think that the West is in morally when these sort of things are happening?
1: The West at the moment's moral level is that the cesspool perverts uh, level way below that of crime gangs and um, um, pimps, they are lower than that, and uh, I, the West has no real moral foundation to speak on these days. Uh, when you travel around the third world, which I do a lot, uh, the people are aghast they, they uh, in fact, in Africa, the moral respectability of Europe and the Americas is shattered particularly since you've had people like Obama coming to Africa in 2013 lecturing everyone on the most important thing in the world right now is to legalize homosexual marriages and the whole LGBT agenda. And since then, it's been gender confusion and that men should be able to go into women's changing rooms and uh, into women's sports. And uh, this kind of nonsense, those are just some of it. (laughs) But you can imagine the average African is not impressed with this. And I know from my friends in Pakistan and India and so on, it's just a ghast. Has the West completely lost their mind? This is insane. You will not convince the average African uh, or Indian uh, or Pakistani and so on, uh, for example, uh, of the fact that a man can be a woman and should be allowed to take part in women's sports and should be allowed to walk into women's changing rooms and things like this, and uh, that uh, children in primary school should be indoctrinated with the uh, sexual perversions, and uh, in the name of sex education, or that uh, you should mutilate children in the name of gender-affirming uh, care, uh, and uh, literally be castrating and mastectomies and cutting off body parts, and all of this to youngsters who who are not old enough to drive, are not old enough to vote, but they can decide on these sort of things, and are often often being talked into it by people for who knows what reasons. And uh, you can now hear these heart-rending testimonies of children whose lives have been destroyed, who've been bodily mutilated, and now they're regretting. And they said, you know, they were feeling low and down, and then they saw all the huge amounts of attention and euphoria and affirmation and support and media coverage I'd get if they would be a transgender, for example. And, you know, I mean, kids experiment with things, but this is not like a bad hairstyle that you can change or grow out of in a few months. Uh, these are things that they can never reverse. And uh, here you've got kids bodily mutilated in the West. And this is going insane. Right now, do you know that the United States military is complaining that they are very short of um, of staff. They don't have enough soldiers. Of course, they've lost a whole lot of soldiers through forcing those who wouldn't take the jab uh, to leave, uh, firing those who, who would not subject themselves to a mandatory medical malpractice. Uh, and the, the salvation by vaccination nonsense, but now uh, they've even been offering that join the army and we will cover your expenses for um, gender changes, uh, for uh, trans uh, operations, and and would you believe it? They're not getting volunteers. But this is this is the kind of insanity. Now people can see Russia and China, for example, are producing very professional uh, armies of very dedicated soldiers. So obviously, are training how to kill you. And uh, then you see the West's ridiculous uh, adverts for recruitment, how, you know, I had two mothers and uh, I've always been involved in fighting for civil rights and um, I'm a trans, non-binary, this, that and the other and come join the CIA, you know, you'll find very tolerant of. And it's all about gender politics and Well, whatever happened to uh, be all you can be and um, to be able to fight to defend your country and kill the enemy? And what kind of defense does the West have when they are continually undermining their own armies with all this gender confusion and the correct pronouns and so on in a war? That's not going to help you win the war, but it sure will help you lose the war. So uh, plainly the West being run by idiots um, or by people with the most evil intentions to destroy it from within. And so I think that's why when Europe started their crusade against Russia recently, and they were asking for people to join them in it, the entire third world was uninterested. And uh, from India onwards, it was like, this is your war. And so the only boycotts in Russia is coming from Western Europe and North America. The rest of the world is just not interested. third world is saying... Don't lecture us about morality. You, the people who invaded, bombed, and destroyed Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, you try and destroy Syria. Uh, you did how much bombing of the people in Serbia? Don't lecture us about morality and uh, uh, international law and respect for sovereignty. <laughs> what if Obama bombed eight different countries, killed over 100,000 civilians during his time with drone strikes and so on, gets a Nobel Peace Prize for it. And so, yes. I must say the people in Africa that I deal with on a regular basis are not impressed and they, they don't even give the time of day. They're not interested. Nobody's interested in listening to the moral lecturing and uh, these posturing and posings of the Camilla Harrises and so on, uh, let alone uh, the Boris Johnsons and all of those either. They're not interested. They just think the West are a bunch of hypocrites and perverts and they've got no moral authority and they can't even tell the difference between a man and a female. They can't even define what a woman is. So, yes, <laughs> back to you, Andrew.
0: Yes, yeah, so and I'd just like to close off my comment with what I see the audience of this show as being is an extremely moral audience. And so when they find situations where, you know, they might not... They're being told they're haters because they don't accept this, that and the other, that they've never been given the opportunity to vote on. You look at the response to, like, a Daily Mail article about a teacher who uh, is is put in prison because he won't call a child by their preferred pronoun and it's overwhelmingly this is disgraceful what's happening here we don't want this and that's why you don't vote on it because you they they want to give this to you and they want you to have this and on uh, the basis of what peter said about the american military well again it, it's obvious that they're trying to destroy the american military they know the vaccines are dangerous and they're firing people who won't take them And now they're promoting all these lifestyles that aren't really things that you would uh, expect to go hand in hand with the military fighting force. I think some time ago we played the um, Chinese and the Russian military commercials compared with the American one about some woman marrying her girlfriend. Uh, and, And the difference was quite stark. So I think I'll leave that there. Uh, Peter, can you just let the audience know where they can uh, find your work and how they can contact you?
1: Yes, thank you very much. Um, My personal email is peter at frontline.org.za. peter at frontline.org.za and uh, our website uh, www.frontlinemission.org and of course we're also on social media
0: thank you peter so um folks you have been listening to a show entitled the real story of how false flags escalate into wars i'm hoping to have peter back again next week i want to thank you all for listening have a wonderful day and bye